There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Welcome to Sci-Fi Talk on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast where we discuss shows on the USA and Sci-Fi Channel. I'm Steve. And I'm Sean Fangirl S. And tonight we'll be discussing episode four of season two of The Purge. Okay, holy crap. So th- this was like, oh my god. Yeah. I love it, I love it, I love it. I am seriously, and I know I've said this repeatedly, loving how this one is coming coming together. And yes. the way it ended, I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> What's going to happen? Yeah. What do we do? But obviously before we jump into all that, you have some ratings news for us. Yes, I have quite a bit of ratings news. All right. Episode one on USA brought in a 0.25 in adults 18 to 49 with 0.613 million viewers, making it the 17th overall cable show for the day. Nice. And they actually gave us the numbers for sci-fi. It brought in a 0.10 in adults 18 to 49 with 0.306 million viewers. Now so they're showing at the same time, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's what? 900,000? Almost 000? a million people, yeah, yep. Nice. Yes. That many people. Have, <laughs> yes. Alive plus seven for episode one, tied for 13th, and viewers total gained going from 0.614 to 1.196 million viewers for an increase of 95%. Episode 2 brought in a 0.21 in adults 18 to 49 with 0.584 million viewers, making it the 24th overall cable show for the day. The Live Plus 7 for Episode 2 was tied for 6th in adults 18 to 49 percentage gain, going from a 0.2 to a 0.5 for an increase of 150% and was ninth in viewers' total gain, going from 0.585 to 1.163 million viewers for an increase of 99%. Episode 3 brought in a 0.24 in adults 18 to 49 with 0.583 million viewers, making it the eighth overall cable show for the day. And episode 4 brought in a 0.23 in adults 18 to 49 with 0.546 million viewers, making it the 23rd overall cable show. Now, I wonder, because the Life Plus 7, because most of those were just USA. We didn't get the sci-fi number. Right, right. Yes. I wonder if Life Plus 7 is only showing us one, not USA, both. yeah. I think so. I've also noticed USA is, for the people who have, like, cable or sling, that's included in almost all of them, where sci-fi is not in right. regards to their package. So that's- that may make a big difference for this one. And I'm going to say today I happened to find a video about Black Friday and the way the the little song was going. It's like, this is the real life purge. So so (laughs) it was amusing. And all I kept thinking is, yeah, yeah. Because Steve and I talk about retail purge all the time. Yes, we do. Just one day. But there's a whole different story there. But anyway, let's jump into episode four, shall we? 
Well, let's do it. Grief box. Marcus confronts his past. Esme learns the truth. Brian changes his plan. And Ben seeks understanding. <laughs> okay. We get, yeah. We get something for all of them, I guess. It's, you know, it's better than what we've gotten before. Yes. Now, the opening, we learned that we've jumped three months ahead as we are now having Remembrance Day. Yeah. And we see an NFA truck driving around the city delivering plaques of remembrance to the families who lost loved ones on the purge night. I was trying to figure out how do they know everybody? Because I was guessing not everybody is in the system somewhere. You, you know, would think. Kids, but, but apparently, yeah, apparently like everybody is, I don't know, in a system. But it was really uh, Yeah, it's, it seems that way, which is not a good thing. And we cut to the factory where all these nice remembrance packages are being assembled. And we see what is being passed off as the remains of the loved one is just dirt. See, I was wondering, because... What I thought is they just cremated everybody and just have them in giant piles of cremation ashes. That could be too. And, but yeah, but it I thought definitely it was dirt. Was not the, yeah. <laughs> and I'm watching it going, what are they doing? And then it like, I was thinking, oh no, they just cremate everybody. Oh my God. So, okay, I guess stupid question. What if somebody wanted to actually bury their loved ones? I guess they don't even get that option. No, no, they so don't. messed up. Yeah, <laughs> sure is. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That was like, I was not expecting that to happen. Right. Because we've never yeah. heard of Remembrance Day before. No. So this is, this was interesting. To say the least. Yeah. And it's all a facade for the NFFA. So not good for the people of America in this world. So let's check in with Ryan and company and we see them testing out a, EMP device in front of a store, and it works, knocking out the power to the store. I'm guessing they were in a blind spot, because even we, as quick as they were trying to do it, I, I would think they'd still be on camera somewhere. You would think. now, But of course, they know the, the dead zone, so you have to assume that they were knew that this that store happened to be in a dead zone, and they wouldn't be on camera anywhere, seeing that they're all former policemen they probably have a pretty good of an idea of where where those dead zones are and the group meets back up at the nursing home and locks the door to his mother's bedroom to go over the plan well that works because she won't remember it <laughs> we're gonna guess anyway yeah the plan is to set off the device just before the sirens but they have a short window of about 10 minutes right because the planes have to be up in the air and past any kind of artillery that could take him down. Right. Of course, Doug reports that he has access to a Humvee, which will get them through the fence at the airport. But the only problem is how to get the device with the money. And they mentioned that Tommy was the one that had bank connections. Well, of course he was. Uh, yeah, because why else would Tommy have been there, right? Exactly. Well, later on, we see Ryan... Greasing the palm of a prison guard so he can pay Tommy a visit in the prison and gets to talk to him with for about five minutes without video being on. And Tommy is just beat to shit. 
Yes, he is, which is not good. No. He may not make it to purge day. Right. And of course, Ryan tells him that he needs one of his bank contacts, and Tommy gives him the name of a guy. And then, of course, the guard comes back and says, you got to go now. Right. So, this worried me. She's like, change plans. You got to get out now. It's like, oh, oh yeah. what is yeah. going on? <laughs> right. I thought they were on to Ryan and they were going to bust his ass, too. And he does say, like, he's going to come back for Tommy. So is it not illegal to bust people out of prison on purge night? Probably not. But I mean, but I don't know how they. Yeah. I mean, you would think as soon as purge night started, if they had anybody in the prison that was up for liquidation, that they would take them out immediately. Right. So So that they don't have something like that happen. Right. And if Ryan and company are trying to get the money. That right as the sirens go off, then they ain't going to be able to be in two places at the same time. Right. But, and here's a big but, <laughs> <laughs> he gave Tommy a book. Right. And, of course, Tommy's like, oh, does it have a file in it or at least good porn? You know, something. <laughs> and right. he's like, no, but it's something important for you to read while you're in here. And I'm like, what's in it? Right. What is going to help get Tommy out? That's right. what I'm thinking. Yeah, because Ryan mentions that he's going to make sure that Tommy's wife and kid are well taken care of because this is going to be a multi-million dollar heist. Right. But Tommy's connection. Oh, my gosh, this guy. Yeah, he was something else. As Ryan meets him in the parking lot of a strip club. And after getting some information on the plan, the banker decides he wants in. (laughs) This can't be good. No, because I totally felt like this guy wasn't just sleazy because Ryan finally agrees. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I I take this remembrance box in every year because, hey, you get a free lap dance. It's like, all right, this is just getting sleazier and sleazier. But he just did not seem like he would be on the ball. No, not at all. Like, that's the best way to say it. Right. Yeah. If we get to see the next purge night before the season's over with, it'll be something else to see how how bad this guy screws things up because you know he's going to. Right. Even though Ryan threatens him with his life, if anybody gets hurt, it's your fault and you're going to pay for it. Yeah, I just feel like this guy is not going to be helpful. I'm right there with you. We go check in on Esme and Esme is in Drew's home. Having received the remembrance box. That was kind of weird that she's the uh, contact that she had listed. Right. And I don't know. Was that really the contact or did Esme arrange that through the surveillance center to have the box delivered so she could be there to pick it up? Oh, and she was in Drew's house. I was thinking she was at her apartment. No, I'm pretty sure that was Drew's house. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think. When she hears the noise and has to walk towards the door, it looked like the same old house that was that Drew was in. But See, I, I, was I could have been she was at her apartment. But yeah, like I wasn't paying attention to the location; I was just watching what was happening. Right now, of course, she hears it and something, and she just goes walking straight to the door. Yeah, good job. Not like people are dying. Yeah, you don't know who could be coming after you. And, of course, at least she jumps when there's a knock on the door. Right. Like, you need to stop and think first. 
But she opens the door and it's Darren. And he comes in and pulls out some files that Drew had hidden in the wrong file, which contained pictures of several others involved in the trials. But of course, there's no names, only numbers. Which, like, okay, is it test subject numbers or just some other type of number? I'm assuming they were test subject numbers. Oh, okay. Darren tells Esme that Drew was trying to prove that violence had become a drug, especially for those born after the purge started. Or something is being put in the air or water or something. Something is happening. Yeah. Now, sure, I could see that children that have grown up knowing nothing but the purge would probably be more susceptible to having feelings of violence than people that grew up and became adults before the purge started. Mm-hmm. So, and of course, they argue over the data that the NFFA provides regarding the violence after purge night, but Darren gives her something to think about at least. Yeah, because, hello, you know what? All these people are involved somehow. So maybe look into something. Right. You can't believe everything that the NFFA tells everybody. Right. We've already seen that with the farmer that Ben killed. That He died of heat heat exhaustion, heat stroke, instead of being just brutally murdered. So they aren't reporting the murders that occur afterwards. Which is interesting because if, for example, that was caught on video, what would they have done? Would they also have taken out the person who found them? More than likely. Hmm. Of course, we later on, Esme is back at work doing things she shouldn't be as she's using the facial recognition software to identify the test subjects. Come on. Yeah, because no one's going to find out. No. And, of course, one by one, each of the subjects show up as deceased until one lone survivor shows up as alive, Olivia Hughes. Yeah. How long is that going to happen? (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Because if the NFFA knew of Drew's tests and wanted to file, they probably had a pretty good idea of who the test subjects were and have had them eliminated. Now, of course, she... Gets up to leave and runs into her boss at the elevator and just tells him she's late for something important. And, of course, that's not going to make her boss suspicious at all. And she calls Darren and tells him that all but one of the subjects are dead. But she's going to check it out. Darren, uh, if I was you, I wouldn't do that. But if you're going, be safe. I just feel like they're both going to just end up dead. It's very possible this little um, deception will never be discovered. Now, she goes to Olivia's house where she sees several packages sitting at her front door. And you immediately figure... Oh, she's dead. She's not (laughs) going to find her alive. Yes. And we see that she's being watched as she goes around the side of the house and runs into the lady's landlord complaining about not getting his rent. Right. It's like, what are you doing here? I'm looking for her. So am I. And when she's like, I'm NFFA, he's like, whoa, whoa. No, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I support the NFFA and lets her in the door. Right. It's like, oh my gosh, what do these people basically in the neighborhoods know that Esme doesn't know? It's like how many people have disappeared. Makes me think. Yep. It 
Sounds like almost all the uh, violent acts are just being covered up. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Esme goes in and finds Olivia in the bathtub, bloody and dead. Yes. Arms slit open and everything. So. I'd say by apparent suicide, but... Yeah. When the police arrive, she tells the detective that she believes the lady was murdered as the window lock was broke. And, of course, we hear him tell her that there hasn't been a B&E in six years, much less a murder. So he doesn't even know what to do. No. Well, it, he knows what to do. It's He's having to try to keep the story up that, yeah, nothing ever happens after purge night. Well, I don't know, because he honestly seemed like, wow, this has been going on for so many years. We haven't even had this. Like, what do I even do? What do I, how do I investigate this? This is so strange. Because things seem to look, well, to me, they looked like he was being honest. And then when she gets back to him later, things really get weird. Right. And because of that, I figured he was just playing her from the beginning. Oh, I don't know. I, I'm thinking with what we learn shortly that uh, he may have been threatened. That's what I was thinking. Okay. And that's very possible, too, because she tells him that they have cameras on the corner and she will check them when she gets back. And he gives her his card and tells her to send him everything on the video. Now, is that to cover it up or destroy it? Who knows? So she goes back to work and, of course, is at it again, digging into the video of Olivia when it suddenly goes offline. Right, because that doesn't look weird when every camera for every angle goes offline. Yeah, and she reloads and it does exactly the same thing. So she calls the detective and tells him there's a problem with the footage of Olivia's place. And he informs her that the case has been closed and the coroner has ruled it suicide. Right. And then when she's like, but the lock on the door that doesn't make or on the window, it doesn't make sense. And all of a sudden he busts out with, I know your sister was troubled, so you're probably taking it hard. It's like, right. what? What? <laughs> See, that's why. I think if he knew something, he would have said something earlier. Right. But then, when she looks over at her boss, it's like, okay, no big deal. But it's not no big deal, is it? No. Because the camera pans to over the boss's shoulder, and we see he's been watching her on his computer. Right. So, yeah. They are on to her big time, and... It does not look like she's going to last very long. No. And she's going to have to disappear real quick. Right, because even when she's like, how, how do you know my about my sister? What are you doing? Uh, thanks for the call. It's like hurried up and got her off the phone. So I still feel at this point that he may have been threatened. And right. he's trying to help her feel like, let it go. Yeah. You know, without saying it. So neither of them end up dead. Right. And that's a very strong possibility. We go to check in on Marcus and Michelle. And Michelle comes in and begs Marcus not to make her go to a Remembrance Day barbecue by herself. Yeah, that would be just a little awkward. But Marcus tells her that he can't because the private investigator has a new lead. The guy who tried to kill Marcus grew up on the street that Marcus grew up on. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah, I'm sure that's not a coincidence, right? It shouldn't be, no. 
He thinks someone in the old crew might know something. And seeing his ex is having a party, he's going to take Darren and show his face. Of course, Marcus and Darren arrive at the ex's party and we get a flashback purge night 14 years earlier. This was pretty interesting to me. Absolutely. Marcus gets a call from Tanya wondering where he's at and that the purge starts soon. And we see Marcus getting out of his car and sees some mass purgers ready to begin. But Marcus does make it inside and we see most of the neighborhood is inside their house. Yeah, I, I mean, thought you've that got was adults, weird. you got almost all the kids, everything. I guess after no learning from the first purge that people who went and hid out in like the churches were pretty much targeted. Right. Yeah, you're better off being in a house, but like I'd still be worried. Oh, absolutely. I mean and, and they had nailed up the windows and doors and everything and you know, we see marcus when he comes in has a bat in his hand and it's like you really think that's gonna do anything <laughs> oh, it might it might so a window gets broken and they move the children away from the window of course because it looks like they're going to be attacked and a chainsaw starts cutting through the door and marcus grabs a shotgun and just blows a big old softball size hole into it (laughs) hopefully killing the person with the chainsaw but you never know yeah i I don't know how well that worked out yeah we don't and thinking that they stopped the attack they lower their guard for a second and tanya is grabbed by a perjurer who snuck in the back way why wasn't there somebody at the back door thank you i'm like (laughs) if you're moving everybody around Why would you not have have somebody watching all of the exits? Yes, and all the windows and everything. But Tanya recognizes the voice of her attacker as a kid she knew from the school she teaches at. And she is actually able to talk him down and not to purge her. I wasn't sure what was going to happen because he's like, it's my right. Now we know she's alive, but I really thought somebody was going to take the kid out. Right. That didn't happen, though. And we go back to the present where Marcus goes outside and sees a truck drive up that looks very similar to the one that tried to run him over. This was kind of messed up. Marcus goes bananas. Yeah. And attacks the guy who happened to be one of the guys that was there 14 years earlier. Darren is able to pull him off as it wasn't the truck. I mean, it's amazing that his son can remember the description of the truck that Marcus gave him, but Marcus just snapped because, yeah, there wasn't the lights on the top of the cab and there wasn't the flag on the front plate. Yeah, but when you're freaking out, thinking, oh, my God, this person who I knew is the one who tried to kill me. Yeah. You know, it's like you're (laughs) going to miss major details like that. Yeah. And of course, you know, as he pulls, gets pulled off, he is telling everybody that, you know, somebody tried to purge him and that person lives here. Oh, great. Right. That would just kind of make everyone back off. Yeah. And we see Marcus have another flashback when he tried to convince Tanya to move to a different neighborhood that would be much safer. But she tells him they have a community there. So that was a little ex- sad. Oh, yeah. Because it's the end of their relationship right there. Because she's like, yep. yeah, I don't think 
it's just the neighborhood. Yeah. It's like, oh, damn. Yeah. We see that that's what broke up their marriage. Right. She's bound and determined to stay in that neighborhood. Now, of course, Tanya questions Marcus about why he attacked the guy, and he tells her about the bounty on his life. And he asks her if she's noticed anything, and she says she remembers someone coming to her door asking about Marcus last summer. <laughs> well, and she can't remember any details about the guy. Well, you're a whole lot of help. Right? I don't know why you didn't call me like, hey, there's some weird dude that was like asking about you. Right. You would think. But so Marcus returns home and informs Michelle of what he's learned, that he will have to redo the suspect board as this messed up his timeline. Definitely doesn't seem like somebody in the neighborhood. uh, No. Now, when Marcus walks off, the look on Michelle's face was suspicious. Vicious to say the least. Like maybe she knows something and it's not, yeah. it's just kind of coming up. That's what I was thinking. That's very possible that she could be thinking that, uh oh, Marcus is now on a trail that could lead to her. Yes. <sighs> and then Marcus does something just really stupid. He gets on the Ivy Robe website and makes a post asking who wants him dead, offering money or drugs for the information. Nice. Money or drugs, whatever. Yeah, not the brightest thing to do. No. I think that would, that just lets everybody else that might want a piece of that $75,000 know that he's out there ready to be had. Yeah, like he's losing it, but I don't know. Yeah, so we'll check in on Ben and Kellen. And we see Ben just being overly aggressive with the punching bag. And ignoring everything. Right. Yeah, he's got headphones on, but still, he's in his zone. Just Kellen basically has to yell at him five times before he finally gets his attention. Right. And it's like, hey, it's about this guy that you've been following on TV. It's like, whoa, he's going to like just burn himself. Yeah. And that's when we find out that the government has decided that this guy died of heat exposure, not slashed to bits. Heat exposure. Yeah. I'm not sure how anybody would buy that story if they saw the body. Surely the wife is the one who found him eventually. When he didn't come home, she probably went to the stand and found him dead on the way. So, how did they shut her up? Hmm. She might be dead, too. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Ben tells Kellen he has an errand to run, but will meet up with her at the remembrance party. This can't go well. No, no, because he seemed so relieved. Like, oh, okay, I'm off the hook. Exactly. Great. Now what are you going to do? He runs straight to the purge store. A Remembrance Day sale. Yeah. Yeah, that's, like, wrong in so (laughs) many ways. (laughs) And while he's looking around, he meets another student. And they discover they have some the same major and discuss how Purge Night is their right. Oh, boy, we got somebody to pump Ben up. Right. Just what we need. That kid was, like, over the top. Yes. But you kind of expect that. I mean, 
today's society, we have all this bullying going on. And most of the time, it turns the person being bullied in more. Right. And, and, and we see a lot of suicides because of it. But now with Purge, they've turned that to where, yeah, you bully somebody, you better watch your back on Purge night because they can come get you. And we hear that from this guy. Right. Like, he was so crazy about it. He's like, oh, yeah, I make a list. It's like, what? Yeah. I stalk them and watch them and get to know all their moves. And you just kind of go, holy crap. So, of course, Ben invites him to the remembrance party. And at first, the guy isn't interested until Ben mentions drinking. And later on, the guys meet up with Kellen at the party. And, of course, Ben sees the buddy that abandon him of course ben's new friend tells him that he needs to be purged and that he has plenty of time to plan it out well not ben no no ben starts getting weird because the guy is oh first off super creepy but he's like hitting on a girl and she's like get away from me and so he goes upstairs and and ben of course it's like oh i'm gonna go find him we're gonna purge him now because obviously he wants to get caught you would think. Because you're going to do it in the house where all those people are. Nobody is going to not hear know. anything. Right. Right. You just, Ben is just consumed. Yeah. So. And there's no way Kellen's going to. That study correctly. Oh, yeah. This is all he's thinking of. And so he follows the guy upstairs, pulling out a hunting knife. And as Ben is about to attack him. The guy turns around and he shows Ben the remembrance box for his brother. Yeah. And even though we don't see the picture, I'm still betting a bunch. You think it was the guy? That's who Ben killed. Yes. I absolutely do believe that. And when it comes out, oh boy. Of course, the guy wonders why Ben is a hunting knife and tells him he was cutting limes. Oh, well. I guess that was, for somebody who's consumed with violence, that was a fairly quick cover. But, of course, the guy doesn't think, doesn't completely buy it. I'm guessing he was pretty drunk. Yeah. And so he wasn't going to think about it too hard. Yes. And they go back downstairs. And later on, Ben and his friend have two anti-purge students try to talk to them about signing a petition. But they object. Well, yes, because the new friend is like, it's my right. Yes. Now, Ben at least was keeping it together with the girls. Right. But like the new friend was kind of a jackass. Oh, absolutely. And later that night, we see Ben noticing the girls leaving. And one of the girls ends up being followed by a hooded Ben. Not just hooded. Yeah, and mask. Yes, with that God mask. It's yes. like, oh my God. Because nobody's paying any attention. It's not like, well, I can't even say now because you know people don't pay attention. But basically now people are way more aware of their surroundings. And of course, women have to be aware along with guys, but women kind of have to be hyper vigilant. Oh, absolutely. When you see everything happening on the news. And in this reality with the purge, you're not seeing people be quite so careful because it's like no nobody's doing anything and we're on campus it'll be fine so she's probably right. like whatever somebody's walking behind me no big deal not even thinking to turn around right it's definitely 
because the NFFA is telling everybody crime is down. There's definitely giving a, a false sense of of safety. Yes, which is just making it easier for the ones with the the crazy tendencies, violent addiction to just have their way. Oh my gosh! So yeah, I mean, we go to black, so we don't know that he did something right but i think we know yeah (laughs) if we don't pick up right there when we (laughs) in the next episode i'm assuming the girl's gone yeah now but how will the nffa cover that up i don't know you know if i mean they might have to take out a bunch of students to cover that up if they don't somehow find her before several students find her well I mean, they can always play it off, I guess. Right. Because I really do have a feeling that somebody knows what Ben's up to. Oh, absolutely. So, I guess we'll find out. Yes, we will, hopefully. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, what did you guys think about this episode? Let us know. Shoot us an email. Sci-FiTalkFangirlZone.com <laughs> or go over to FangirlZone.com and go to our contacts page. And there's all sorts of ways you can contact us. Let us know your thoughts on the show, on the series, on movies. Are you happy that they put it into a series and we're getting more? Do you think it's beating a dead horse? What? So let us know. And while you're at it, while you're on the interwebs, if you can rate us on iTunes and every other platform you find us on, because good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us. Tell your friends about this show, especially if they like The Purge. This answers so many more questions. Yes, it does. And we, of course, hope you're enjoying the podcast. So, for this episode of Sci-Fi Talk, I'm Sean Fangirl-S. And I'm Steve. When some asshole pisses me off, I start making my plan. And until next time.